0: of the Gentile. However, this persevering and persistent and quite frankly desperate Gentile woman here, she then responds back to Jesus Christ by saying to him in verse 28, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. As if to be acknowledging here that the Jews indeed were to be fed first and were to be the priority of Jesus' ministry at this time, while also still begging Jesus Christ here for just a crumb of his mercy and grace to fall from the table here, since she knows that just one crumb of the mercy of Jesus Christ will be enough to satisfy her and to ultimately heal that of her daughter. To which Jesus Christ then, he responds back to her, as we see in the Gospel of Matthew, by saying, "'A woman.'" Great is your faith, let it be done for you as you desire. And like that church, this woman's daughter then was miraculously healed. To which Jesus Christ then, long story short, travels approximately 120 miles throughout the regions of the Gentiles and ends up eventually in the region of the Decapolis, where a man who was deaf and who had a speech impediment was brought before Jesus Christ, to which Jesus Christ then, he places his fingers into this man's ears and touches this man's tongue and prays to his father who is in heaven, sighs deeply, and then says to the man who was deaf and who had a speech impediment, Ephatha, which means be opened in Aramaic. And like that church, this man's deafness, and his speech impediment was healed, displaying once again that Jesus Christ not only has the power to do the things that only God himself can do, but also displaying here that he's absolutely willing to manifest that power, not just amongst the Jews' church, but even amongst the Gentile world as well. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, church. Or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this For Jesus Christ, the very bread of life can completely satisfy both Jew and Gentile alike, since both people groups are to become members of the kingdom of God forever. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this For Jesus Christ, the very bread of life can completely satisfy both Jew and Gentile alike, since both people groups are to become members of the kingdom of God forever. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Mark chapter 8, as we will be looking specifically today at verses 1 through 10. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible at this time, then fear not, because we have Bibles literally located in each and every chair in front of you this morning. Therefore, please feel free to grab one of our church Bibles, and even to keep one of our church Bibles if you do not have one, because we, quite frankly, want you to have your very own copy of the Word of God. However, if indeed you do take and keep one of our church Bibles, the only thing we ask is that you read it starting today by turning that brand-new Bible of yours to page 843, and by joining us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, church, we will be starting today that of Mark chapter 8, and we'll be doing so by looking specifically this morning at verses 1 through 10, where the author of the Gospel of Mark, John Mark, Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way." And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmatonah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, how good it is to come into your presence this morning with our brothers and sisters in Christ to sing songs that are glorifying to you, to give our offerings this morning, our first fruits of our labors, Father, to pray to you in spirit, and to sit under and to hear your word. You're infallible. You're inerrant, and your perfect word, Lord. There is probably much going through our minds this morning in light of the 4th of July holiday, barbecues, picnics, sitting right on the horizon. Father, I hope that you clear our minds this morning. Send your spirit this morning to open our eyes to this text, to open our ears to this text, and to soften our hearts so that we can receive this text. Father, it is a text that showcases that we need the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, in all that we do if we ever hope to be satisfied, as His grace is sufficient for everything that we go through in this world. So if we have any burdens or needs that we are carrying, Father, I pray that you use this text this morning, that we willingly leave here today bringing our request before God, knowing that his Son, Jesus Christ, has a well of grace that will never dry up, and that his character is one that he will never not give us his grace. Father, do this wonderful work, I pray, and I pray that you send your Spirit to help my lisping and stammering tongue as well, to build up this dear flock and to glorify the King Jesus Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, Jesus Christ, the very bread of life, is for the Jew and the Gentile alike. Jesus Christ, the very bread of life, is for the Jew and the Gentile, the non-Jew, alike. Verses one through seven, which reads, In those days when again a great crowd had gathered They said seven, and he directed the crowd to sit on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd, and they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. So as we see here in verse 1, John Mark, he opens chapter 8 by initially saying, in those days, as if to be indicating to his audience here that Jesus Christ is still located in the region of the Decapolis, just as we saw last week back in Mark chapter 7, and thus is still ministering at this time to the Gentiles of this region as well. And furthermore, as we have seen over, And over and over again, church, throughout the gospel of Mark, Jesus Christ, once again, verse 1, has attracted a great crowd. However, as we go on to see in verse 1, this great crowd of people who have gathered around Jesus Christ at this time, they had, quite frankly, nothing to eat, and that they either came to Jesus Christ here without food, or that the food that they did bring at this time had run out. And thus, it's a great crowd of people here, church, who at this time have no food. And as we also see in verse 2, they have been with Jesus Christ now for three days. And yes, you heard that right, for this great crowd of people has willingly and voluntarily and purposefully been with Jesus Christ now for three straight days, likely listening to him preach and teach. But as previously mentioned, this great crowd of people, they have nothing to eat. And thus Jesus Christ then, in recognizing this, he calls his disciples over to himself and says to them in verse 2, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, which just wonderfully and beautifully displays here, church, the compassion that Jesus Christ had for these Gentiles here, and the sympathy that Jesus Christ had for these Gentiles here, and the deep sense of tenderheartedness and mercy and empathy and kindness that Jesus Christ had for all these Gentiles here, which is ever so reminiscent, church, of the kind of compassion that Jesus Christ had for the Jewish people back in Mark chapter 6 when they were like sheep without a shepherd. And thus, because of that compassion, Jesus Christ then most certainly doesn't want to send this predominantly Gentile crowd away at this time. Since verse 3, if he sends them away hungry to their homes, they will faint as some have come from far away. And that Jesus Christ, quite simply here church, does not want to send these people back to their homes at this time, and in essence, force some of them to make long trips through the rough parts of the Decapolis, famished and without food, since some of them might end up fainting or collapsing on their way home. And thus, in light of that, Jesus' disciples then, they say to Jesus Christ here in verse 4, For how can one feed these people with bread in this desolate place? And at first glance, you might be sitting there this morning, church, thinking, for how on earth Can these knuckle-headed disciples say such a thing? Since they have already seen Jesus Christ feed the 5,000 with just five loaves of bread and that of two fish. And thus how can Jesus' disciples here be ever so dense and so dull and so ignorant and forgetful here and not simply suggest to Jesus Christ here to just do the same kind of miracle that he already did back in Mark chapter 6 when he fed the 5,000 but to do it instead for the great crowd of people who were all located here. However, I tend to side with the scholarship church that believes that Jesus' disciples here have not forgotten about the miracle when Jesus Christ miraculously fed the 5,000. And thus, in asking Jesus Christ here, For how can one feed these people with bread in this desolate place? For it's as if they, Jesus' disciples here, are asking Jesus Christ, so what then are you planning to do here, Jesus, especially amongst these Gentile people? And with that, church, Jesus Christ then, he begins, if you will, to reveal his plan to his disciples here by asking them initially in verse 5, for how many loaves of bread do you have? To which they respond back to him by saying, seven. To which Jesus Christ then in verse 6 directs the crowd to sit on the ground, similar to what he did back in Mark chapter 6 when he fed the 5,000. And he then takes the seven loaves of bread, and after giving thanks, he breaks them and gives them to his disciples to set before the people, while also then, as we see in verse seven, blessing some small fish and then saying to his disciples to also set these fish before these people here as well. And before we move on here, church, toward the finale of this wonderful text, I realize that some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, for why on earth is Jesus Christ here going to be doing, in essence, the same kind of miracle today for the Gentiles that we already saw him do for the Jews all the way back in Mark chapter 6 when he fed that of the 5,000? And the answer to that question is church as John Mark has been alluding to and building on and slowly spelling out for his readers over the past couple weeks, is because, as Daniel Aiken notes, Jesus Christ has got a plan, as in he wants us to see his love and his concern for the Gentiles here, as well as his love for the Jews, and that although Jesus Christ is the long-expected Jewish Messiah, he is also the Savior for the whole world as well. Derek Burgess, he shared that there was once a little boy who had spent a long time constructing a replica of a ship that he had once seen docked in the harbor near his home, for every sail of that ship was intricately cut out and sewn exactly to scale and perfectly placed, and every plank of that ship was carved out and fastened precisely where it should be. And finally, the time came for the grand launching of this ship on a small creek, just the right size for this craft. And during the first couple of moments, the ship moved gracefully over the waters and rode the slow current the way a finely crafted vessel should. However, without warning, the current quickened And suddenly, the impossible happened, for a gust of wind got a hold of the sails, and the ship darted completely out of the reach of the boy. And in just a few seconds, it drifted out of sight into the widening stream, and the boy sat there absolutely crushed. However, a couple months later, the boy spotted his ship in the window of a hobby shop, for the very same ship that he had fashioned together so painstakingly was now for sale. Now, the price of the ship was very steep, but even though it belonged to the boy, the boy was still willing to pay anything in order to get it back. So he scraped together every last penny he could find and purchased the boat, for it was his again, and at this time it would not get away. And similarly, the whole world is... God's by right of creation, for he built it, and it was very good, and in fact, it was precisely how he wanted it, but it is also his by right of purchase, since Jesus Christ, the Son of God, also paid the price for the sins of the children of God throughout this entire world as well. So yes, church make no mistake about it, for Jesus Christ is the long-expected Jewish Messiah, the good shepherd of the sheep, the very bread of life, and the greater Moses who has come into this world to meet the needs of all of his people. However, the good shepherd church, he's got sheep from folds outside that of Israel. And this bread of life church, he's able to feed those outside that of Israel. And this greater Moses, he's come into this world to meet the needs of those church outside just that of Israel in that this Savior Jesus Christ, he has come into this world to be the hope for the heathen, the light for the pagan, the word for the barbarian, and the way, the truth, and the life for people, groups from every tongue, tribe, and nation throughout the entire world, and not just for that of Israel. So yes, the narrative that you are listening to today and hearing about today and having preached to you today, it should indeed sound somewhat familiar to each and every one of you here today. However, do not let the redundancies of this miracle church keep it from teaching you and enlightening you and assuring you that your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has come into this world in order to bring salvation church to all the nations of this world, to the Jew and Gentile alike, Roman and Greek alike, slave and free alike, male and female alike, barbarian and educated alike, American, Asian, African, and European alike, since the heavenly table of God will have added all the children of God, children from every tongue, tribe, and nation, church, and not just that of the Jews. Which brings us to point number two. For the bread of life Jesus Christ is not only offered to Jew and Gentile alike, but he is also able to completely satisfy the Jew and the Gentile alike as well. For the bread of life Jesus Christ is not only offered to Jew and Gentile alike, but he is also able to completely satisfy the Jew and the Gentile alike as well. Verses 8 through 10. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmathena. So after Jesus Christ receives the bread and receives the fish and blesses both of them separately, likely as a way to teach and to display the Gentiles here that they are to thank God for each and every one of their provisions from God, Jesus Christ, then, he has his disciples distribute the food to the crowd who was in attendance on that day. A crowd, church, mind you, as we see in verse 9, of about 4,000 people. And this great crowd of people here, church, as we then see in verse 8, they all ate and were satisfied. And that Jesus Christ, then, with just seven loaves of bread and that of some small fish was able to miraculously then multiply this bread and this fish to the point that each and every person who was in attendance on that day was able to eat and be satisfied. Which means then, church, that we're not just talking about the 4,000 people here all just getting crumbs to eat, or fragments to eat, or morsels to eat, or some rinky-dink portions of food to eat here, but instead that each and every one of these roughly 4,000 people here, church, who were in attendance on that day, all ate enough food to be completely filled, and satisfied, so much so that Jesus' disciples then, as we then see in verse 8, took up seven large baskets full of food that was left over after this meal was complete, since that was the kind of care and compassion that Jesus Christ possessed for these unclean Gentile people here, if you will. Nevertheless, As we close point number two this morning, church, I want to do so, big picture here, in light of the complete and the utter satisfaction that Jesus Christ can provide to all people groups, church, throughout this entire world. And I say that because, as the late D.L. Moody once wrote, for this world is always thirsting for something that will truly satisfy for what fills the places of amusement the dance houses the music halls and the theaters night after night men and women who are thirsting for something they don't have because the moment a person turns their back on god is the moment they begin to thirst and that thirst will never be quenched until they return to the fountain of living waters for as the prophet jeremiah writes We have forsaken the fountain of living waters and have carved for ourselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. For there is a thirst that this world can never quench, and the more we drink of this world's pleasures, the thirstier and thirstier we become. For you see, brother Christian, sister Christian, whoever loves money... We'll never be satisfied with money. And whoever loves fame will never be satisfied with fame, and whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with wealth, since only Jesus Christ Church has the ability to satisfy the longing soul, to make known the presence of joy, to supply for our every need, and to fulfill our heart's greatest desire to the point that Jesus Christ himself declared to this broken and fallen and unsatisfied world that I am the bread of life. And that whoever comes to me will not hunger And whoever believes in me will never thirst again And thus do not chase the fool's gold of this world church The money, the fame, the fortune And everything that comes with it Since those things will never truly satisfy But instead seek the one church who came into this world As the bread of life to Jew and Gentile alike To save us from our very sins To bring salvation to this entire world and to satisfy our heart's greatest desire so that we will never, Christian, thirst again. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, I want to begin with the non-Christian who is here first. And non-Christian, if you are sitting there this morning knowing in your heart of hearts that you are not truly satisfied this morning with your life, And that no matter what you do, how much you earn, how much you drink, how much you eat, or how much stuff you get, that you still can't find true satisfaction, then maybe then, non-Christian, you should stop looking to the world to satisfy your every desire and instead look to the only one who can truly satisfy, that being the God-man himself, Jesus Christ who came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins by initially living for us, non-Christian, the life that we could never live. And that although Jesus Christ was tempted by sin, non-Christian, just like you and I, Jesus Christ, he never, ever sinned, but instead lived a life here on earth that was free from sin, free from offense, and was perfect and righteous and holy and good and thus fulfilled the law of God in its entirety, non-Christian, holy and completely, all for the very children of God. However, this holy and righteous and perfect life that Jesus Christ accomplished while he lived and dwelt among us, that in and of itself, non-Christian, was not enough to save sinners like you and me from our very sins. Since the wage of our sin, non-Christian, the price of our sin, non-Christian, it is that of death. And thus, in order to save us from our very sins, non-Christian, Jesus Christ then not only had to live the perfect life that we could not live, but he also then had to pay the price for our sins that we could not pay. And he did that for us non-Christian by dying a sinner's death in our place and as our very substitute as he was crucified on a cross at Calvary. But... It was with these wounds, non-Christian, and by this sacrificial work of Jesus Christ that the children of God, then non-Christian, were eternally healed. And I say that because three days later, then Jesus Christ, he didn't remain dead or buried or crushed in some grave, but instead he, Jesus Christ, then he rose from the grave and displayed to the world that he had defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and that he now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you are forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, For we are going to close this morning, specifically in light of the all-sufficient, the all-sustaining, and the all-satisfying grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to close in light of all that this morning, because I can't tell you, church, how many times I have sat at my desk thinking, from where am I ever going to get the words needed, to write yet another sermon this week? Or from where are the elders ever going to get the wisdom needed to train up this new batch of elders? Or from where is our little church family ever going to get the energy needed and the strength needed and the zeal needed to run a family fun day, a vacation Bible school, and to reach out to 50-plus kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ all within five days, to which, as the late J.C. Ryle once wrote, let us observe then here from this passage that absolutely nothing is impossible for God, and that in Christ there is a boundless store of mercy and grace laid up for the use of all believing members of his body and ready to be bestowed to all who ask. Which means then, Christian, that we don't need to turn to secular movies to write our sermons or to business leaders to train our elders or to worldly professionals to run our vacation Bible schools or even to a new gospel or a new message or a new word in order to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ, since the all-sufficient grace of Jesus Christ will always be enough. And thus the question then here, Christian, is not if. Jesus Christ can supply you with the grace you need to preach the gospel, to run a VBS, to evangelize your friends, love your neighbor as yourself, build each other up in love and faithfully be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. But instead, the question here then, Christian, is that when the mountain in front of you is too large or when the valley in front of you is too steep, or when the path before you is too scary, or when the world around you is just too hard to figure out, do you then, Christian, lift your eyes up to the Lord and call on the name of the Lord and rely on the strength and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, or do you instead, Christian, turn your eyes to Mr. Worldly Wise Man to lead you up that mountain, or call on Miss Secular Scholar to get you through that valley, or rely on the strength of those who hate good to help you get your life back together. And thus, if you are sitting there this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, with spiritual needs or even with that of physical needs, or emotional needs, psychological needs, health needs, financial needs, or any other kind of needs, and you're wondering at this time where your help is going to come from, then lovingly then, Christian, let me encourage you this morning to seek the face of the Lord, to call the Lord, and to rely on the all-sufficient grace of the Lord, knowing that he will never run out, Christian, or get tired of giving to you, Christian, the grace you need for each each and every one of your needs. And thus, because of that, you can boldly then, Christian, and confidently then, Christian, and willingly then, Christian, cry out in faith to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, concerning each and every one of your needs, since he will be faithful, Christian, to satisfy the soul of the weary and to give grace upon grace to those who come to him in need. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body Walk out of here this morning realizing that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has come into this world to save Jew and Gentiles alike, and that all who eat of the very bread of life now and forevermore will be eternally satisfied. And thus, when we are afflicted, Father, let us then seek the grace of Jesus Christ, knowing that he will not let us be crushed. And when we are perplexed, Father, let us pray for the mercy of Jesus Christ, knowing that he will not let us be driven to despair. And when we might even get struck down and worn down and feel like nothing is going right around us, let us then run to the throne of grace knowing that Jesus Christ will never let us be destroyed. Because even when we feel lost, and confused, and weak, and with a faith that is wavering, we know that our help, that it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, and thus in our times of need, let us never forget, Father, that our first move, our last move, and that every move in between needs to be covered with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, since it is only by the grace of God that we as Christians can walk faithfully in the ways of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, if we see that our Savior Jesus Christ has any limitations to him this morning in, the ter- in, in terms of how much grace he can give his people, Father, I pray that you forgive us. The spring the well of grace that Jesus Christ provides and is able to offer, it is unlimited. He never gets tired of giving grace to his people. He never runs out of the grace that his people need. And thus, why, why do we then as Christians so quickly run off to Mr. Worldly Wise Man for advice and counsel and strength and power, to those who hate good to guide us in our every way. Father, you have prepared works for us that we have been called to walk in, and we walk in them by grace. So if we have any needs this morning, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, financial, whatever it is. Father, I plead with you. Give each and every one of these dear children of yours here this morning the courage to go to you in faith, to bring their request before God, to cast all their anxieties on to you, and to plead with you for your all-sufficient grace. Since you are a God who can give way more than we could ever ask, thus let us be quick and confident to go to you, Father, knowing that your grace is always sufficient and will always sustain. In Jesus' name, amen.